0: Our scripture reading for today is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you that are blessed by my father, Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That is the word of the Lord for this morning. Thanks be to God. What if I told you there is a relationship between our ability to love and our margin of time? Whether or not we love is contingent upon whether or not we have extra time. Carl Carl Jung said, hurry is... Not of the devil hurry is the devil what have you done better in a hurry that you couldn't have done better going slower what have you done better in a hurry that you could not have done better going slower how much of our anger is associated with constraints of time Who then sets these schedules of ours? What demonic secretary have we handed over access to our calendars? How, with the ability to accomplish tasks with less effort and less time than ever, do we have less energy and less time than ever? What if I told you, like I've mentioned before, that busyness does not exist? That no one you have ever met, neither are you yourself ever busy? What do you mean? I mean, all we ever are is prioritized. I find space for what I treasure. I make time for what I want. I choose my priorities, and There's a, this next line is a tough one. envy be your my number one. No, I said, football, you're my number No, I said, deer hunting, you're my number. No, I said, shopping, you're my number. I mean, um, comparison, you're mine. Outdoing my neighbor is number one. So I don't have room for you. That's the other version. I can't make time for two because I am so self-consumed. I think that's the, the version we're used to, which is why we're singing a different song this morning. How we treat people is the indicator... Of how much or how little margin we have in our life. I need you to hear that. How we treat people is the indicator of how much or how little margin we have in our life. In other words, our relationships serve as our barometer of margin. How much margin do you have? Well, how are your relationships? This is going to be a very introspective sermon. We're actually going to have a time at the end where i walk us through the the type of exercises i walk folks through. I'm discipling. So if you want to know what happens in Cody's office through a one-on-one discipleship process, you're about to find out here in about 20 minutes because we're going to do it together. This is a quote from John Eldredge. He said, It made me wonder, am I becoming a less loving person I had little capacity for relationships and the things that bring me life. Then I realized it wasn't for a failure of love or compassion. These were symptoms of a soul pushed too hard, strung out, haggard, fried. My soul just can't do life at the speed of smartphones, but I was asking it to. Everybody is asking theirs to. There's a never-ending barrage of messages, news updates, likes, Direct messages all these things have led us to believe that we are connecting with people while simultaneously eroding our finite mental emotional and time margins, but the fact is These digital tools are suffocating our ability to actually truly connect with one another When we crave social interaction we check social media we feel lonely so we scroll social media The truth is, these social channels not only add no true value to our social life, but they actually deplete our reserves. Do you know, we serve a God who commands rest. This is huge. We serve a God who designed the bearers of his image to be asleep one-third of their existence. Maybe even more if you count how much kids sleep. But something has us... Moving at a rate of speed that is not only unsustainable, but makes it impossible to stop and help the one who's in need. I said impossible. Me, Em, Amanda, and Murray were at Goodwill uh, two weeks ago. As is Usually the case with me, I found somebody who was homeless. And this guy comes up to me, I'm on the phone with Rusty. This guy comes up to me, I'm on the phone with Rusty, and I say, hold on, Rusty, hold on a second, Rusty. And the guy says, hey, uh, can you meet me up front and pay for my stuff here in just a second? I said, yeah, let me finish my phone call, I'll be up there. So I finish my phone call, I say, Rusty, I'll call you back here in just a minute. So I go and I pay for this guy's stuff, he goes, he goes on. I come out the door, me, Em, Amanda, and Murray come out the door, and the gentleman does a a 180, he comes right back to me, he says, hey, now, um," and starts asking me for more stuff, but he's, he's trying to come at me at an angle, because how many of you know, when you need to rush, you have to manipulate? Love is patient, right? So this guy's used to people trying to shun him away, so in order to get me to help him, he's trying to work this angle where he lies to me. What he doesn't realize is, he and I know each other i said now i know the story i told him amanda and Marissa. said y'all go on because i had to go to kroger get some stuff for the meal that we we're having the next day i said y'all go on and hang out with this guy so i i, I postured myself like this and i said look don't lie to me again i'm not going anywhere i'm not in a hurry i'll listen to everything you have to say i'll go with you wherever you want to go they're going to go shop we got at least 30 minutes. Let's just be here, me and you. And he tried to say something. I said, nope. That's the same thing. Slow down. You ain't got to lie to me. We'll figure this thing out. So it took us a minute because he's just trying to work this angle because usually this guy who is in need usually has to try to work this, this quick angle. This And then, you know, people will either feel bad for him or they just run away. And he's used to that. But once there was some time, I started getting to hear who this man actually was. Started getting to hear what the actual problems were. Started, he said, I just need money for this right here and this right here. I said, if I give you money for that, won't you be broke in a week? He said, yeah. I said, we got to have a better plan. So I said, let's work on another better plan. He said, we ain't got time. I said, I got time. I just kicked on back against the rail I sent it against. I said, we got time to work it out. Now, I was also in a conversation with Rusty. I talk to Rusty a lot. That's the name of this sermon. On the phone with Rusty. I was talking to Rusty about a guy who came to do some work for him and Ken. And the guy is incredibly messed up mentally. Um, And Rusty's wanting to help him. So we call a contact of ours over in Anderson, get this guy somewhere to go. The guy didn't want to go there. Rusty said, how do you even do it? How do we help people like this? I said, Rusty, what they need is what none of us have. And it is time. The church doesn't have it. Neither does anybody else. So they won't get what they need. The end. It's not a fairy tale. This week, Monday... I get a call, I don't know, 50 calls from between him and the daycare around 2.30. Robertson's puking. I've got a guy at my house who I'm trying to help out who's all over the place. Um, and I thought, oh, Lord, I got this guy here. My son's puking. And thankfully, my mom was off work. She had this thing called margin of time. So she swoops into the daycare. Um. And when I get there, she and Robertson are just, just laying in the floor of the daycare, laying in puke. was trying to, you know, be with him. Em's on call. So um, I show up and I pick Robertson up and get him back to the house, trying to get him a bath, trying to take care of Murray. Robertson gets out of the bathtub, he starts puking all over himself. About that time, Murray starts to cry, and I hear my front door open, and Missy's showing up at the house. Oh, thank you, Lord. So, I'm trying to clean up all this puke, Missy shows up at the house to help with Murray while I get all this puke cleaned up. Later that evening, uh, Robertson's trying to get some food in his belly, so he's eating saltine crackers. I didn't want to cook any food, so I'm eating saltine crackers with hot sauce on them. Amanda... Calls me. She says, "Hey, um, what are you doing for dinner?" She didn't know Robertson was even sick. She just knew M went home. She said, "Um, she said, what are you doing for dinner?'" I said, "Well, I'm eating hot sauce and crackers." Um, she said, "Well, what do you want from this Mediterranean joint?" I said, "Whatever you get, just give me what you get." So here in 30 minutes, I have dinner. I tell y'all these stories because it is I. Monday was the result of people who had space and who were with their space, not using their free time just to veg out on some kind of mind numbing entertainment or grotesque form of social media consumption. They were actually looking to help somebody. And I go to sleep that night comforted because I had help. Imagine, this can going to be a far-fetched scenario here, imagine it's Thanksgiving. And you have several family get-togethers to be at in one day. I don't know why they do that's why they book them all on the same day, right? But they do. you got to be at three of them. You ever had to be at three in one day? Do you remember how present you were at all three of them? It was not a waste of time, but it sure was close. (laughs) That boy gets it. Now, I'm taking us through this scenario because I want us to see this story I read in Matthew 25 is this story at the end of time. The way the writer of Matthew is trying to paint this story is like, this is it. Like, if you made to boil it down to what it's all about, sheep and goats. If you made to boil it down to like, okay, what what's the whole thing about? It's about whether or not we were able to take time to attend to the one who was hungry, the one who was thirsty, the one who was naked, the one who was sick, or the one who was in prison. Well, who was that person? Jesus Christ. How the heck are they Jesus Christ? I don't know. But I'm telling you, if you've been looking for God and haven't been able to find him, make sure that was the, that was the trail you were on to look for him. If you've been trying to find him in here, you probably ain't going to find him. I've tried. I've tried through contemplative exercises. God, where are you? Where are, and he said, just stare into the eyes of a child who's left alone, and there you'll find me. Just open up your heart to love. The least of these, and there you'll find me. If you want to find him, he's out there. There's a study done in 1973 uh, by two social psychologists, John Darley and Daniel Batson. What they were trying to do, Amanda would have loved this study. They were trying to explore human personality. So they used this particular study to do it. They they wanted to find a group of people who would have been familiar with the story from the scriptures called the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Y'all familiar with this story? So. They went to Princeton Theological Seminary because they thought these students will at least be familiar with this study. So they they broke the students up into three groups. Well, first they broke them up into two groups. The first set of students had to give a sermon on the Good Samaritan. The second set of students had to give a talk on what they thought people with their degree, or how they thought people with their degree should be employed. Okay? Now... The question that, the, that these students don't know, the question that the researchers are trying to figure out with this research project is what makes a passerby decide whether to stop to help someone in distress? This is what they're trying to find out. So the whole research project, they got these students from Princeton Theological Seminary and they're trying to find out what makes a passerby, somebody who's just randomly walking down the road, stop to help somebody who's in need. So they give these students personality tests, so like, they know, okay, here's their particular personalities. They now have these students, just so they can like, think they're a part of this bigger thing that they're actually not, they're giving these talks. After their talk, they then have a researcher standing outside where the talk is, and the researcher is telling three different things to the students. So for the first group, he is saying this. He's saying, um, you need to hurry to get to the next building because the event's already started, so just hurry up and get there. All right? The next third of students comes out and he says, go on to the next building. You'll make it plenty of time. Just don't be dilly-dallying around. Just just get there. And the third group, he said, hey, there's been a slight delay in the process. Um, You know, don't leave campus, but just take a minute. If you need to get a cup of coffee, if you need to go to the restroom, you're fine um, because there's been a slight delay. By the time you get there, they'll know that we need to start. As the students leave the building where they gave the talk, they're walking to the second building, they pass a man who is a part of this, they don't know who he is, a, a, who's slumped in the doorway of this alley. As each student approach, approaches the man, he coughs and he groans, just a part of it. If the student stopped, the man would tell them in a groggy voice, he would say that he was fine, he'd say, I have a respiratory condition, I've actually just taken medicine for it and I'll be okay, so that the students could then keep going the whole point was what type of person stops now you know where the story is going because this is a part of a sermon on margin of time where is this where's the story going what was the conclusive evidence who stopped the only people that stopped was the third group because they had time diverse personality two different speeches the only people that stop are the ones who have time so here's what they this is social psychological science here if, if you are one of those people who believes the science I'm going to give you some science to believe that ethics becomes a luxury as the speed of our daily lives increase I'll tell you what that means as the pace of our lives speeds up we will disregard what is right as the pace of our life speeds up we would disregard what is right now we've all felt this that oftentimes when we're in a hurry it's not because we you know want to go as fast as we're going it's because we want to avoid conflict at our next meeting right because we don't want to leave the next person waiting so it's conflict more than anything we, we we've overbooked ourselves. Why would we do this? Why would we continue to subject ourselves to a pace that renders us driven and not led? Why would we continue to, to, to give ourselves to a pace? that leaves us without breath to breathe rather than the breath to breathe into those who can't. Why? I'll tell you why. It's because our God is not the God who commands rest. The God of progress says there's no time to stop. I was talking to my Uncle Jimmy this week. He works for a company called Changer and Dresser. You know what changer and dresser does? They build machines that go into the Honda plant to change and dress the machines while the machines are running so that the machines don't have to stop. You know why? Because we don't have enough. Right? None of us have enough. I'm going to tell you something. If 51% of people in the United States could believe these three words, our economy would collapse and we'd actually see flourishing. The economy collapse. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you three words. If 51% of our our country could say them, it would destroy this country and build one that would sustain. You want to hear them? That is enough. What is the shoes I got, the house I got, the car I got, the clothes I got, the food I got? You think about what maxes us out is not because we need, it is because we think we want. I said think we want because we don't even know what the heck we want. So I want you to go on a little exercise with me. This will be a good time. If you've been sleeping, this will facilitate that. I'm going to ask you a few questions. What if growth in the church was more the result of relationships built slowly over time than measurable projects... Or measurable experiences that are built around a surface level weekly get together? What if growth was deep relationships? What if our connections were not our like minded taste for consumption, but the old fashioned human connectors of trust and love and patience? What if we didn't see the poor as a problem to be solved so that we could get back to doing what we were doing, but we saw the poor as a people to join because in them is Jesus Christ. It's a quote from a man, I don't know who it was, Henry Nown quoted him and he, he didn't say who it was. He said, I used to complain that my work was constantly being interrupted until I realized it was my interruptions that were my work. I am asking us, as we go into this new year, and I'm saying, I know you're saying, well, that's January 1st. No, we're doing the, we're going to go church calendar like a bunch of weirdos. I'm asking us to prioritize love. I'm singing sing another song for you. The song goes like this. I sang it to him yesterday. She said, you going to sing the whole thing? I said, Probably. I used to think I wanted to be famous, I'd be recognized out in a crowd. But the funny thing is, anytime I've gotten what I want, it lets me down. Now I just want to look more like love, I just want to look more like love. This whole world is spinning crazy, and I can't quite keep up. It's the one thing around here that we don't have quite enough of, so I just want to look a little more like love. Oh, we're not done. No, no, no. I find the farther that I climb, there's always another line, mountain top. No, it's never going to stop. And the more of anything I do, the thing that always ends up true is getting what I want. Will never be enough. So I just want to look more. I want that to be our heart. Especially going into doggone Christmas, where people get stressed out over buying some stupid bullcrap they don't need. God, let's be different. <laughs> I'm gonna tell y'all, I, I I do think you gotta be patient. Um, but the thing that makes me want to spit and cuss is when I see us being driven to consume and. And chase after the things that are separating us from why we're here, which is love. Especially this time of year. When we're supposed to be anticipating the return of Jesus in a slower posture, maybe even fasting some and, 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 and longing. And, and we're just our moments are stolen by floods of advertisement and floods of this whisper that says, you don't have enough. What do you want for Christmas? I sure wish we wanted for Christmas what God wanted. You know what God sent to the world for Christmas? Presents. He said, well, name him Emmanuel. What does that even mean? It means God with us. Not God in proximity to us, not God in the same room as us, but on his phone, not God with us, but thinking about something else he's supposed to be doing, not God with us, but stressed out because he got himself in debt, God with us. God with us. Let's repent. Let's sing it till it's true. i find space for what i treasure i make time for what i want i choose my priorities jesus you're my number one let it be true for us god thank you for being so gracious when it ain't because it ain't most of the time Show us what it even means to prioritize you. Show us where we've been swept up and the whisper of our culture that has robbed us of even our margin to love. Help us give the gift that you give God, the gift of presence, the gift of with.